Welcome to the Operation Crest Podcast. I'm Rolan. And I'm Sean. And we are the co-hosts of today's episode. Operation Crest is an effort from the 957 Project to empower high school students like us to preserve members of America's veterans and share their stories of courage, resilience, service, and team. Each one of these interviews will be donated to the Library of Congress to be preserved for future generations. And you can hear other episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can just stick around at the end of this episode to hear us reflect on what we learned during the following conversation. Learn more at www.thenotpd7.org slash Operation Quest. Now I'll speak in the show. Today we are interviewing Technical Sergeant Tina M. Lang, who served 15 years of active duty service in the Air Force and two years in the California Air National Guard before she received medical discharge from the Air National Guard in 2006. After retiring, Sergeant Lang served as a government contracted financial analyst in the Air Force Space and Air Force Space Command, managing the Air Force's cyber infrastructure $13.1 billion portfolio. In 2014, Sergeant Lang felt a moral obligation to finish serving a full 20 years in uniform and opted to apply to become an Air Force Junior ROTC instructor teaching leadership to high school students. Although it was supposed to be a few year commitment, ended up being a true passion. She continues instructing today at Unity Reed High School. She is the back-to-back-to-back three-time Virginia State Trail Champion coach, as well as a first-place trophy winner at the Air Force JROTC National Drill Competition, competing against 865 units across the globe. She holds an advanced degree in business administration and is married to her husband, retired Lieutenant Colonel Charles Lang, and has two children, Kate and Zach, who are current students at Wickfield School. Mrs. Lang, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, uh, so we'll get started. My first uh, question for you is, um, does your family have a history in the military? And if so, does this persuade you to join the armed forces? Um, actually, no, not my current family. Uh, when I was your age, I didn't have anybody uh, that I knew that had served. I knew my uncles on my mom's side, you know, uh, way across the continent served, um, but I personally did not know anybody in my family that had served. Um, I kind of stumbled across uh, this path um, my senior year in high school. Um, my sister's next door neighbor was actually um, a member of the United States Air Force Reserves. And um, he spent a lot of time actually mentoring me, guiding me, and um, taking that opportunity uh, to show me uh, things that uh, could happen for me if I joined the military. And um, I think that's probably the reason why I'm here today. Uh, Because of that mentorship, I was lost. I was a senior. I wasn't sure where to go. Everybody around me was going to college. I wasn't sure whether college was right for me at the time. Um, And when I look back on it, it wasn't that it wasn't right for me. I just wasn't confident enough to think that I was capable of going to college yet. And um, the United States Air Force uh, served as that um, stepping stone for me uh, to literally end up getting uh, associates, a bachelor's, a master's degree. And um, still now, 32 years later, wearing the uniform. So no, um, never had anybody in the military, but I will tell you, since coming into the military, um, I now have quite a few members of the next generation in my family who have chosen to serve as a result. 
So you would say that the military helped you find where you wanted to go in life? Oh, most definitely. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, I just knew when I went to the uh, military uh, entrance uh, uh, station, they asked, what do you want to do? And I remember my answer clear as day. I want a job that works 7.30 to 4.30. That way I could go to night school if I choose to go to college. They gave me a list of jobs that I was eligible based upon uh, taking the ASVAB test. Um, and I had researched each one. And when I went into boot camp, I already knew what job I wanted to take. So it kind of just gave me a lot of opportunities and then guided me throughout each phase throughout my life. Uh, you said you serve in the Air Force, is that correct? That is correct. Is, uh, is there a reason you picked the service branch that you joined? I had actually researched each branch of service before I chose the Air Force, um, but because of my sister's neighbor being um, United States Air Force, uh, I was kind of like drawn to that. And um, my closest military installation to my home was March Air Force Base in Southern California. We also had Norton Air Force Base in George. And so in my mind, I had told myself Air Force was the one military installation that I would probably get the highest probability of getting stationed close to home if um, I threw my name you know, into wanting to be close to going home. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up uh, serving one assignment overseas and my second assignment, I got stationed back where I grew up at March Air Force Base. Do you think you could give us a description of your first station? Um, that was in um, the Philippines. Wow, what an awesome assignment. I remember when everybody got their uh, assignments and um, I'm looking at the Republic Clark Air Base, Republic of the Philippines, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is across the globe, what do I do? Um, and I was excited. I was uh, afforded the opportunity of being in the only combat communication uh, unit, which actually uh, was the first one to be deployed if in the event there were any situations. And I kept saying to myself, what could possibly go wrong? I'm 18 years old. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. Within one month of being in the country, um, and this is in June of 1990, I uh, had um, the opportunity of going out and deploying into the local um, city uh, where there was a huge mudslide. Um, a lot of people's belongings uh, were buried, people were missing, and we provided the combat communications where we set up uh, a control center where we can um, provide communications for the uh, emergency people to help um, assist and give aid. So it was very enlightening as a young 18-year-old to go over there and be in this foreign country, uh, a third world country, um, and be in this very advanced unit as a young you know, lady. Um, whenever there was a bell that would sound, everybody would throw on their uh, steel toe boots and we would hit the ground running. I learned how to um, put up GP medium tents. I learned how to build Constantine wires, dig foxholes. And we were always right at the center of what was happening. 
And ironically, three months later, it was the 2nd of August, 1990. And if you know your history, that would be when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And um, before I knew it, I found myself sitting in a convoy in the back of a two and a half ton vehicle and uh, trying to figure out what was I thinking. Reality is now sitting in. I should have gone to college. Um, oh my God. Wow. And I'm going to be uh, okay. What I learned over there is so many things. Um, about having the pleasures and freedoms and luxuries that a lot of us Americans have and that we take for granted. I learned in my first year of serving what it was like to face war. I learned um, to take myself out of my comfort zone um, and find strength um, and believe in myself. And um, if I could handle a war, I certainly could handle going to college. And so I realized uh, when I got back after going overseas, that that's exactly what I needed to do because I'm not sure I ever wanted to find myself sitting in the back of a two and a half ton vehicle facing war again. So that assignment, do you, do you think it, it sort of grounded you or helped you move forward? How do you, how do you think it changed your worldview? What it did is it uh, built confidence within me. I was so afraid to go uh, to college or go out and explore the world and see different things that I found myself placing myself in a box and, and limiting myself when I got over there and realized that, I mean, here I am 18 years old and I'm part of this big organization, the largest uh, government um, job in the world. And we're fighting a war. I, can pretty much handle anything and I shouldn't define who I am. So I, I would say it built confidence within myself. I, I This is just my question. Uh, how is the food? <laughs> so when you're in boot camp, I'll tell you that's the best food ever. You get literally five minutes to eat, all three meals total, you know, one and a half minutes, one and a half minutes. I'm kidding. No, it's um, it, it is really good food at boot camp. Um, I don't know why. I remember thinking boot camp was probably the best military food I ever had, probably because it was the only time I got to sit down for the day. Um, uh, the one thing that I love about uh, the United States uh, military uh, dining hall, they call it the dining facility now, the DFAC. Um, I called it the chow hall, but you can't say that anymore. Um, it was always uh, filled with ice cream. You could go one line, it would be uh, made to order sandwiches, hot dogs, hamburgers. You could go to the right side and it would be um, whatever hotline food that they had, which was mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, I don't know, chicken, um, roast beef or something. Or um, you could go and make a sandwich or have a salad at the salad bar. It's a normal place. Not everything is packaged in a meal. And uh, you think that it's going to be terrible. No, actually, it was amazing. And we even have little ice cream, um, you know, little freezers filled with Haagen-Dazs. And when I was stationed overseas in Kuwait, 
that got me was a Hagen dazs ice cream. So the food is amazing. Don't believe what you guys hear, okay? This is a podcast that seeks stories of courage, resilience, service, and teamwork. Do you have any stories that relate to those themes that you would like to share? This is year number 32. I have a million. Um, I see it every day. He's still serving, wearing the uniform. Um, when I go back and I think about courage, uh, um, when I was stationed at Vandenberg Air Force Base, uh, we worked on an ops floor. You guys ever see that movie War Games where it was the ops floor and it's all these screens all over the whole entire wall and everybody's sitting in consoles kind of like um when you're looking at a, a, a rocket launch um down at houston you know you see all these people sitting in rows and they're staring at big things that's an operations center that is the place that i worked at in california and we were the command and control center our job was to uh provide support for the boots on the ground. And um, there were a couple of missions where we had people with boots on the ground and um, watching uh, these amazing um, warriors go in and hump out the wounded, get them loaded uh, onto the aircraft um, and get out of there in such a short period of time. Um, I'm not sure I could ever walk in those shoes. I'm not sure I could be that boot on the ground. Um, and even though I was in an operations center um, across the globe, you sit at the edge of the seat of your pants and you hope and you pray, not only do they bring your comrades home, that they themselves get home safe. I saw that on a daily basis, especially in the middle of Operation Enduring Freedom watching it live um, and knowing that this person is sitting on the ground uh, waiting for somebody to get them. My particular job was to transport the information from one data system to another data system. And it was based upon the level of the classification. My biggest fear was getting up to go to the bathroom. And while I was gone, um, a emergency action message would come in and somebody would be on the ground and um, I wouldn't be able to transport that information from one system to the next in time that could cost somebody's life. What I learned during that time is teamwork is critical. Um, chain of command is paramount. You've got to do your job and your piece to that pie. And if you don't, it does cost lives but it was a very rewarding experience to sit back and watch people get saved. So if I were to say courage, it would be definitely those boots on the ground that would get out of that aircraft, go and hump out that wounded, lift them up, get them onto that aircraft and get them out of there. I don't know how to follow up on that. That was really, really deep to hear. Uh I guess, did you ever experience, um, did you ever experience actual combat? So what I just described, no. 
but being in a combat environment, yes. Um, I was deployed for Operation Northern Watch. Um, again, if you are a history buff, like I know your teacher is, um, you'll know that in the middle of 2003, we were on uh, the brink of Operation Enduring Freedom. And um, right after Operation Iraqi Freedom had ended, we had a agreement where um, Saddam Hussein could not fly outside the box. If you're ever listening to any of these movies where we're outside the box, we flew outside of the box. What they meant was a parallel line within the country of Iraq. And Saddam Hussein, as a result of him um, going in invading Kuwait to his south, what had happened was he was not allowed to fly or take any of his troops north of a certain parallel line or south of his parallel line. If you were uh, part of Operation Northern Watch, you were stationed in Turkey and making sure he didn't infiltrate or cross over that line. And if you were part of Operation Southern Watch, which I was, you were in Kuwait making sure that he uh, we were monitoring that he didn't uh, cross the southern border. Um, I was part of the 332nd Air Expeditionary Wing, and that unit is very historical. That is the unit um, known uh, and created by the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, it was amazing to be a part of such a historical unit um, and to go into Kuwait uh, and be part of that was amazing. Every morning I would wake up and the first thing that I would hear would be sirens going off. And the reason why the sirens were going off is because every day we would have to come our jets would scramble up and we would go and hover around the border of uh, northern Kuwait and southern Iraq. And what was happening was there were airplanes, commercial airplanes, just like United Airlines or American Airlines, and they would fly from Iraq all the way down to this small little city called Basra. And we would uh, scramble our aircraft up in the air to make sure that um, the Iraqi Air Force would not tail behind these commercial airlines. So if you are looking at a screen in an air defense system, you would see a little blip on the screen and every little blip is a plane. If you fly close enough, then you won't see two blips. You only see one. And what Saddam Hussein was doing was he was scrambling his aircraft and they were telling these commercial civilian airliners up just to go and taunt the American forces and to exert his authority. And so we would have to be up there all the time, constantly watching. Um, at this time, it was very critical uh, and very dangerous. And there was one day that um, I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I was the person that was getting off of work and they said, we need somebody to go down to go and pick up um, the brand new base commander. And he's landing at the airport. And I didn't know who was going to ride with me. And um, I ended up waiting outside and a gentleman came and met up with me and his name was Major Todd Gossett. He introduced himself to me and he said, you must be the other unlucky person. I said, guilty as charged. Well, the two of us were supposed to be on one simple trip 
drive all the way out to the Kuwaiti Air National Airport and pick up our brand new commander. Well, the problem with Kuwait is when you're driving down a highway, they, they don't have stoplights. They don't have stop signs. They have roundabouts. And um, the directions that we got were you're going to pass the sixth ring, the sixth roundabout, continue north. And when you get to the seventh ring, you want to go west and you'll get to Kuwaiti Air National Airport. Well, we got lost and we just kept going north. You can't get off of the freeway when you're uh, driving north in Kuwait. There is a mile of sand between this lane going north and the lane that's going south. There, there is no exit. There is no overpass. And we just kept driving north. And the more further north we got, the more quieter Major Gossett and myself became. And um, we knew that if we were caught by Iraqi forces, that we would be tortured and we would be killed. Um, I will tell you, it was probably 45 minutes of not breathing, afraid, scared to death, um, and questioning what went wrong. We ended up driving up and we're right now at the, the border of Iraq and Kuwait. And there is an Iraqi guard staring at me and Major Gossett. I remember looking over at him and seeing a tear form up in his eye. That's when I knew I was afraid. Um, we rolled down the window. It was a lot of very tense questions. Um, and some time before we got released, there was a lot of debate. I can't tell you what they said. I can't tell you what they were talking about, but I would wager to bet was they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Major Gossett and myself. And by the grace of God, we were let go. When I managed to get about a half an hour away from that border, I think is when I probably breathed again. To this day, Colonel Gossett and I are very close friends. Um, that's the closest I ever got to combat, and I'm gracious and I'm thankful every day because that in itself was scary. I can't even imagine having my boots on the ground actually inside that country and fearing for my life, especially during that time. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, you bet. Um, just to follow up, how, how would you think your experiences have changed your viewpoint on, mil on the military or on war? On war? They have a phrase in the United States Air Force. Um, it goes something like this. Peace is our goal, but war is our mission. None of us want to fight. We always hope for a peaceful resolution. But if in the event we're asked to call uh, and we need to perform our duty, that's why we raised our right hand. You don't second guess it. You don't question it. You don't insert your political opinions or your views. 
when you raise that right hand, you're agreeing that you are going to support and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And if I didn't feel like I could uphold that every day, then I had no business putting on the uniform at any time. It's 32 years later, and as you can see, I'm still wearing the uniform. I had a choice several times not to wear the uniform. On my 15th year of active duty, I was asked to hang up my uniform. I came back from Kuwait because of uh, an experience that I witnessed over there that was not war related. But nonetheless, it was traumatic enough that it stopped me and my career dead on a dime. I was asked to walk away. I can't think of anything more hollow in my heart than that day when I was told I can no longer serve. Um, being a part of a family, a team, um, doing something that's bigger than myself that is exactly who I am, who will, I will always be. And um, I hung up my uniform that day. And I will tell you for 10 years, I felt hollow inside. And every day I thought, how am I going to finish and fix what I feel inside? And the answer was, is I couldn't walk away until I finished what I set out to do, which, which was to serve my country for 20 years. I didn't quit on them. Situations and circumstances happened to me that I was forced to stop. Ten years later, I fought and fought and fought against every single rule to become an Air Force Junior ROTC instructor. I didn't retire. I didn't do 20 years. I wasn't eligible according to the system, but I fought and I wrote and I asked and I pleaded. And I finally got the opportunity to become a United States Air Force Junior ROTC instructor because I was giving a disability rating of post-traumatic stress disorder. And it allowed me to be an instructor. And my plan was just to finish what I started. Just finish just three and a half more years. And then my 20 years would be done. And then I felt like my mind could rest. Well, that was six years ago. Here I am still wearing the uniform. It's because I genuinely feel that had somebody not reached out to me when I was your age, had I not had that neighbor of my sisters reach out to me and mentor me and tell me that I could be something bigger than I ever imagined, if I could be part of something that was truly magical, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I feel genuinely um, a moral obligation that I must pay it forward to your generation. I'm supposed to work in the Pentagon and manage their budget. 
making double of what I'm making right now. Everybody defines success different. Success to me is not a paycheck. Success to me is watching your generation becoming the best you can possibly be because you deserve it and you're capable and you have so much in you, you all just don't realize it. And without us teachers reminding you and tapping into you, then you're not going to go out and reach new heights just like we did. So I will always do what I do until they tell me you can't do it anymore because this is where I feel like I need to be. And uh, going on uh, going on that same uh, thought, if you had a chance to go back in time to like the younger version of yourself, what would you say? Would you tell them to do anything different or? I wouldn't change one thing about anything. With myself and my experiences, um, I am so blessed every day to still continue to wear this uniform and be a, a part of such an amazing organization. I love doing what I do. Nine years of being an Air Force Junior ROTC instructor, um, and I get to watch um, kids your age go out and t- today, I have three of my prior students, it's their birthdays today. And I got to post pictures with each of them, all with their individual different successes. That's my reward. Um, And if I would have changed anything from my whole entire military career, um, I wouldn't feel that joy that I felt today. I have been blessed and I continue to get blessed every day. Every time you guys succeed, anytime our students succeed, it's just a gift. What advice would you give young people listening to this interview? Um, I would say do exactly what you're asking me. Um, courage. As a junior ROTC instructor, I'm looking at your age, your generation every day. Uh, face challenges that I didn't see when I was your age. Every day I'm watching you guys get taunted saying, do drugs, go out, make some bad choices. Um, Overlook somebody being teased, humiliated, demeaned, demoralized. I watch my cadets every day walk up and down the hallways at school wearing the junior ROTC uniform and their peers making fun of them. I challenge them every day to continue to have courage, have courage to have the strength to um, find your own morals and your own values and don't let somebody define you. I encourage you to find that resilience within yourself. I encourage you to dig deep. And every time you are just at that point, like you want to just sell yourself just a little bit less than what you're capable of, find that resilience and keep on keeping on in my unit. I have a thing where it's called quitting is not an option. It's just simply not an option. And if you find that resilience within yourself, I promise you, you're going to reach new heights more than you've ever reached before. My next statement to you is teamwork. 
um, be that wingman. That's a phrase in the United States Air Force. Go out and reach your friends, touch base with them. Are you okay? Are you doing good? Are you solid? How can I help? Be the friend a friend wants to be. Don't worry about what your peers and your, you know, other classmates think or feel. The only person that you need to worry about is the one that's wearing your shoes and that's you. And at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror, that you are good and solid with the person that you are, then you're doing the right thing. And last but not least, don't ever place yourself in a box. Don't sell yourself less than what you're capable of. You're your own worst critic, typically. And if you believe that you can do it, typically you can, and then some. Is there anything else you would like to share before we complete the interview? I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to have this uh, conversation. It's been fun. I love hanging out with my favorite people on earth, students, teenagers. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, stories, and experiences. Really appreciate it. So, Rohan, what did you think of that interview? I think it was a really nice interview. I thought it was really inspiring. After hearing how she was medically discharged from the military, she still wanted to serve her country and help students find their way in life. Yeah, being a JROTC instructor allowed her to contribute and, and serve her country. I'm glad that she can provide like a stable base or a foundation and help the students out. Yeah, I also thought it was really it was really cool how she was only 18 years old, her first year in the military, and she was in the first combat communications unit deployed. Yeah, I mean, she learned a lot of practical skills in the Philippines. And I mean, I think it gave her a nice perspective on life because she learned like not to take what we have for granted. We, we should always be appreciating what we have in every year more than because the next moment things could completely change. And she's definitely, uh, she's definitely teaching kids her perspective to give also give them a better chance at deciding what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Like giving young children the path, the ability to explore their options and like truly pursue what they're interested in is super important. It's like it, it's important to have good teachers and good role models for kids because they shape the future. Yeah, and also her view on success, how she gave up a better paying job just to teach kids and show them show them a, good, a better perspective on life and a better, better, a better way to go on. Yeah, I mean, I think success shouldn't be defined. I, I agree with her. I think success should not be defined by what other people believe or what other people think. It shouldn't matter how much money you have so long as you're happy with what you're doing. And you, you can look at yourself and say, I'm happy yeah. with who I am. It also must have been pretty scary when she was on the ops floor, just watching soldiers on the ground fighting and saving each other's lives. I couldn't imagine being in that position. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's all one big chain of command. And if something doesn't work out or if something goes wrong, and she, people could lose their lives. And she did mention that was her biggest fear, right? That she, no, she left and then something bad happened. I, I do appreciate that the military changed her worldview. It gave her, it gave her newfound confidence. She was able to say, hey, if I can do this, then I can most certainly go to college, you know? Yeah, and how she also fought back to be, to continue to be in the military and mm -hmm. continue to serve. It was really inspiring. 
mean, I, I, she, you can tell how connected she felt to that cause. Oh yeah, she, you could tell she was really happy just serving her country and serving her people rather than having a, a high paying job or... I think it was, she mentioned it was most definitely scary being in that scenario, being in that communications, that combat communications unit. Even though I'm sure she was scared, like you, it's important to separate fear from courage. You can still be afraid while having courage. Yeah. You you can still be afraid of what's going to happen to you in the future, but you have to have the courage to take those risks and take those challenges on and move forward. And that's that's what I think she wants young people to know. And even if you're scared of this new job opportunity or this trying this new thing out or going to college, or you can do it. making fun of you for wearing your uniform. Yep. If it's what you want to do, you should have the courage to go through with it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Operation Crest podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and share. Today's hosts were Shaw and me, and our guest was Technical Sergeant Tina Amlin. The music was provided royalty-free by Coleman Media. The questions were written by us, and the editing was done by our teacher, Mr. Fimler. Until next time, see ya.